you're listening to the Simple Living Made Simple podcast, episode 10. In this episode, we are going to be talking all about some common vegetable problems that you may be experiencing. Uh, Having a successful productive garden is so satisfying, and I really look forward to it every year. And even though the harvest that we experience is always worth it, each year there seems to be a new issue, problem, disease, or pest that requires some sort of treatment. After many years of gardening, there are a few vegetable garden problems that I have come to expect or looked out for, which if caught early can be easily treated if not prevented altogether. In this episode, we are going to be talking about these common vegetable problems and ways that you can solve them so that you don't have the issues that I've had in the past. So let's get started. You're listening to the Simple Living Made Simple podcast. My name is Stephanie, and I'm a wife, mother of three, and the creator of the blog Winging It on the Homestead, where I help modern mothers incorporate simple living and self-sufficiency skills and knowledge into their busy lives. My goal is to help you refocus your life towards what really matters, your family, as well as boost your confidence so you can start being more self-reliant and decrease your dependence on stores and commercial products. Join me as I share with you my appreciation for creating a homemade and homegrown life through gardening, food preservation, cooking from scratch, making your own products, all while keeping it all practical, intentional, and realistic. Hi guys, in this episode we're going to be talking about some common vegetable garden problems that you may be experiencing now or at least may come across um, in the next couple weeks or months as your garden progresses. Uh, after a couple years, I have had some of the same issues that keep seem to keep popping up. So I've learned to really expect them and learned how to prevent them and treat them when I see the early signs of them. So I'm going to start talking about a couple of them. I have about six that we um, experience pretty regularly. Uh, so I this year been one of my focus to be a little bit more proactive and less reactive with problems in our garden. And uh, I'm really hoping that some of these uh, ideas can help you guys. So the first problem that I've had in the past is called uh, powdery mildew. And this is something that I see and have quite often on my zucchini and my squash plants. Uh, Powdery mildew is a white fungus that it can affect the quality and quantity of the plant's harvest. And you see it often in tomatoes, peppers, and zucchini. Uh, You can also see it in squash, you know, other squashes, pumpkins, melons, eggplants, beans, and peas. Um, I most commonly have seen it in my experience in my zucchini plants. And powdery mildew spreads by fungus spores being transmitted and carried through the air where it will then settle onto other plants. And you can identify it because it really gives the appearance that the plant have been dusted with flour. It's kind of got a white tint to it. The white mildew sits on top of the plant leaves, and once the damage really sets in, then the leaves start to turn yellow. And this is something that, like I said, I've seen in my zucchini and my squash. In order to treat it, there is something that you can use. It's called like an organic fungal side that you can find at local garden centers, or you can make a DIY version. And this is a bicarbonate solution, meaning that It uh, uses baking soda and other four common ingredients. So before you go and you spend money at the garden center to get a fungal side, try this out because it's non-toxic, easy to whip up in the home. One thing that I love about it is it's a great job to give to kids because you mix this up and you put it in a spray bottle and I just tell my kids to go to town with it. 
so it's uh, you mix a teaspoon of baking soda in one quart of water and then you add a teaspoon of vegetable oil that kind of helps it stick to the leaves and then you add one to two drops of dish soap and then you mix it all together and put that in a spray bottle and then you just spray your infected plant thoroughly coating the leaves the idea is that that will kill um, the fungus now I've had I've had some luck with it in the past I'll put that recipe in the show notes so you guys can grab that definitely worth giving a try because what will happen will uh, it will start killing the leaves and then it really will affect the quality of your vegetables that you're uh, producing all right so the next one that I'm going to talk about that is my arch nemesis the cabbage worms if you've ever had cabbage worms, you know how destructive they can be and they're quick and they do a lot of damage. And I know I've talked about them in probably several episodes at this point because they're something that I deal with every year. And there's something that really in the past couple years, I have had no luck with with growing brassicas. And a brassica plant is a broccoli, cabbage, Brussels sprout, those kinds of things. They at least in my area, every time I've planted them, they start out looking really, really great. I've done them by seed. I've done them by buying the starts at the store. They look really promising. And what seems like overnight is that they get ravaged by these cabbage worms and they start getting riddled by holes. The whole leaves start to be eaten. So a cabbage worm is like a blanket term for several different types of cabbages or worms that are attracted to these brassicas. Typically, it's a diamond back moth larva and zebra caterpillars that you'll find. Um, but I'll find that I'll see all of these white moths flying around these plants. And that's kind of my indication that they're around. And what they do is they lay eggs on the leaves and then they hatch and turn into cabbage worms that completely eat your cabbages. And the funny thing is, is that they look, they're like this pale green color which is the exact same color it's so funny it's the exact same color as the leaves and I assume that's probably because they're eating the leaves so they turn the they turn the, the same color but they're hard to find so what you want to do early on is find those um, eggs you can find the eggs on the leaves if you can kill them you're ahead of the game before they even turn into um, the worms but there are a couple things that you can do once you find them. So you can utilize a row cover, which is what I've done this year. And let me tell you, it has been nothing short of amazing because I actually have two sections. One section I've covered, the other section I haven't. And the one section I have not had to pick any cabbage worms off. It's covered with a netting, so the the moths have not been able to get to the plants. On the other hand, the ones that have not covered the moths get to them and I'm picking cabbage worms off the plants daily. So a co row cover is my number one suggestion. These plants, these brassicas do not need pollination. So covering them to avoid the moths laying their eggs is really a great option. Another option though, is once you've have them, like you know, you already see an infestation after watering, um, sprinkle cornmeal on the infected plants the meat, the worms will eat the cornmeal basically and die. So that's an option as well. And then there's also store-bought pesticides you can buy um, if you're interested in going that route. But if you want to kind of keep it organic, the cornmeal or the row covers are your best options. And like I said, I have used the row covers this year. I am expecting some beautiful cabbages to come out this year because 
they are looking really great. And this is after several years of really struggling. So the next problem that I've experienced also is leggy plants. All right, so while a healthy plant is usually usually grows pretty quickly if it's being kept happy and being cared for, sometimes a plant grows rather quickly because it's actually getting insufficient care. And that is the case with a leggy plant. Typically a leggy plant will have grown tall and have large spaces between leaf sets. Initially it may look healthy because it has experienced like a rapid growth, but it's actually a sign that something in the cares is lacking. Majority of the time it will become leggy because it's not getting enough sunlight. So what happens is the plant is forced to reach in the direction of the sunlight to get the sunlight it needs. An easy way to treat and prevent this is to just ensure that the plants are receiving enough direct sunlight. So to move the plant into a sunnier spot in the garden or windowsill. Another possibility though is that the plant is planted in soil that is too high in nitrogen. Typically a nitrogen high environment can overproduce leaf and greenery growth in the plant and this will cause the plant to have increased growth in the greenery before the roots have actually had a chance to get established. That will result in a leggy plant. So in order to prevent that for new plants, make sure you're planting in soil sufficient with potassium or upon, you know, observing your legginess and to actually add potassium to the soil to break down that nitrogen. Another great treatment uh, to legginess is proper pruning. And I experienced it and I experience this a lot with my mint and my basil pretty much every year is that my plants will become leggy but after you know a good pruning usually once I finally get around to clipping them back to dry the herbs the plant will start filling out and becoming more bushier and less uh, leggy and spindly. Another very common common issue that I've experienced on a variety of plants is what's called blossom end rot. I've experienced this on anything from peppers to tomatoes to zucchinis and squash. And I typically experience it with my zucchini. Blossom end rot results in the fruit forming, but due to some reason the plant is unable to continue the growth of the fruit and it begins to just rot on the end. The fruit will stop growing and it will turn yellow or brown, black, and begin to rot. There's two common causes for this. One of them is a calcium deficiency in the soil, and the other is an inconsistent watering, which I can just about guarantee you that is my issue typically, is inconsistent watering. Both of these can be treated once they are um, observed, but they are also easily prevented. So this year I'm trying to get ahead of everything and prevent this kind of stuff so I'm not scrambling when I see an issue and trying to react and find a find a solution to it. So in my experience, blossom and rot experiences because I don't water consistently. It's something, again, I'm trying to work on. In past years, I may not water for a few days and then I blast the plants with a large dose of water or we'll have a large rainstorm. The easiest way to prevent this is to just maintain a frequent and consistent watering schedule and plan. So make sure that your your plants are getting consistent watering. If it's a calcium deficiency, uh, you can add calcium tablets or eggshells to the soil. That's a really great way to use up some eggshells to, you know, use a organic material. Or you can add calcium-rich fertilizer either prior to planting in the spring or once you notice the issue. So that can also be an option 
for solving the problem. You don't want to eat the fruit that has blossom and rot, but many times it will only be a portion of the fruit that is produced, not every one. I've noticed it won't be every zucchini that's produced. It will just be one or two or three that start getting rot. All right, another one that I've seen is called bacterial leaf spot. And it's a common disease that can be found both in household plants and garden plants. And you've probably seen it in some household indoor plants. Bacterial leaf spot um, occurs when a plant becomes infected by a bacteria, either through like air transmission or through the soil. So many times bacteria is in the soil and it splashed onto the leaves during watering. It causes black or brown spotting on the leaves and will eventually cause yellowing. Uh, if caught early, the best treatment is a copper fungicide for killing the bacteria. However, prevention is pretty much the best way. And that's just to make sure you're using clean soil and that you're just kind of monitoring that they're not um, having issues. The best way too though is to soak your plants instead of instead of spraying them. So you're not getting all that splash back from the soil to the leaves and you're actually soaking the soil underneath and you're not splashing it back on the leaves. So that's one way to prevent that as well. And the last problem that I'm going to talk about is when your plants aren't producing fruit. Like they just aren't producing fruits. And typically this occurs with things like tomatoes, cucumbers, or peppers. And specifically when they are a, they are a plant that either self-pollinates or needs cross-pollination. With tomatoes, tomatoes self-pollinate, which means that they don't need a bee necessarily to pollinate their flowers. Although the buzzing and movement of the bees definitely helps the process along. So sometimes if you're noticing that you're having a lot of flowers on your plant, but you're not producing actual fruit, the issue may be that you're not getting it pollinated. So I know that people have had issues with this when they have their plants on like a really high balcony or they're like on the top floor of an apartment and they're not getting those bees to pollinate their their vegetable plants and then that can be a real issue but this is an easy easy problem to solve so with things that are self-pollinating if you're having issues you just need to make sure that there's some movement that you're shaking the flowers that they're pollinate the they're able to pollinate themselves for things like cucumbers that need male flowers and female flowers and there needs to be a cross pollination between the two that is where bees come in, come in, you know, are necessary. You need to have bees to pollinate them. And that may be an issue with not having that. So to prevent that, planting bee-friendly, bee-loving plants in your garden, near your garden, will really help attract the bees to your garden. Uh, if all else fails, you can hand pollinate. And that's literally just taking a Q-tip, taking a paintbrush, and pollinating by hand male flowers to female flowers that will produce fruit for you. So there's definitely some options so that that is not the be all and end all of your vegetable garden. So I have really come to realize after like several years of gardening that I can expect these issues and learning from experience, you're definitely more likely to face different kinds of issues. So the best advice that I have for a new gardener is to take plenty of notes on the problems that you face and learn how to properly treat them for the next year. Um, learn how you can prevent them and put them into place and practice for the next year. This is an ongoing learning process. You are going to learn something every single year. And even though you might prevent 
three problems from occurring in one year, you'll find two more, three more that will pop up in its place. So just learning, taking copious notes so that you remember what treatments you did, what the observations were, how it uh, prevented your harvest and how it affected the plants, um, health and well-being. All those types of things are really, really important. And, you know, while dealing with these issues can be frustrating and difficult, and disappointing. The energy put into growing a garden that produces fresh food for your family is always well worth it. So thanks guys and I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Simple Living Made Simple podcast. I have a brand new guide out that is just perfect for this time of year. The Ultimate Fruit and Vegetable Seasonal Guide is now available and you can grab it for free at www.savemyveggies.com. If you are like me, you have thrown away produce that you just never got a chance to use. I used to do this all the time. Especially this time of year, as my harvest starts coming in, it can be difficult to properly store everything and make sure I either preserve it in time or use it up. That's why I created this guide. This guide has everything you need to stop wasting fruits and vegetables that you either grow yourself or purchase at the store. Learn how to properly store 25 plus fruits and vegetables to help them stay fresher longer. This guide also includes a month-by-month seasonal timeline so you know when to stock up on inexpensive and high-quality fruits and vegetables to save you time and money. Again, you can grab that free guide at www.savemyveggies.com. As always, if you have any questions, want gardening advice, or have a topic suggestion for the podcast, please email me at info at wingingitonthehomestead.com.